Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Paul Carlson for today's message. I think, you know, I'm, I'm talking about this, and I think most people here realize some of these things, but nonetheless, I'm going to say them. Christmas is not just about trees. It's not about decorating. It's not about a guy in a red suit. You know, it's not about... Uh, you know, a lot of things that you'd see if you walk through the shopping mall of, of any of our cities, you know, nowadays. Now, I'm not personally against the things that go on. I, I, I have a tree in my house, you know, and I put up some decorations. Dana makes me. And, and uh, she's not even here. Hey. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I like it that it's, it's the world, you know, at least in our neck of the woods, you know. There's, there's a season when, when most people are aware of Jesus, you know, and he really is what it's all about. You know, I'll go beyond that, you know, and just tell you this. What it's really about is how much God loves us. Amen. That's what it's really about. The whole story is, 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 is this, that God, you know, he has this place in him that is void without you. He wants you. He loves you. He cares about your life. And, you know, with all the busyness that goes on in this season, you know, all the obligations that you might have, you know, we can never lose sight this season or any day. And that is that the real meaning is this, that God loves you. And he sent Jesus, you know, to be our, our Savior. In Philippians 2... Verse 8 is a, is a great verse. You know, a lot of times at Christmas, people don't think about the cross. I mean, do you think about the cross at Christmas time? But in this verse that we're going to read, the Apostle Paul, writing, you know, to the Philippians here, he, he brings out both the birth and the death of Jesus in one verse. He ties the two together, and, and I like it. I like it. You guys are all reading the verse already, aren't you? I can see eyes looking at the screen, and I'm like, they're reading ahead. What? It says, in being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Jesus humbled himself coming to this earth. Jesus existed before Bethlehem. You know, he didn't, you know, become uh, uh, alive or whatever at Bethlehem. What happened at, in Bethlehem is he took on a body. He put on an earth suit like you and I. He got in the game that we were playing. And he got in to take our place. It says he, he was being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You see, Jesus came and he had a mission. He had a mission to accomplish. And you know, I, I don't know exact moment that as in his earth suit he became aware of that. You know, but he, he lived this earth as a man. He didn't live this. He, well, he never ceased to be God, but he played this game as a man. Okay, do you guys understand that, right? You see, back in the garden in Genesis chapter 3, Events took place that radically changed, you know, every person that would ever be born. Back in the, back in the garden, now you know, I, you, you've heard me go back to the garden before. Dana used to accuse me of never preaching without going back to Genesis. 
And then one day after about 10 years of being married, I think it was on a Wednesday night, I was preaching in a church, and she says, I get it, Paul. I get it. I get why you go back to the garden. I get it. I understand. But, but you know, back in Genesis, some things happened that radically changed mankind. We know this, that, that, that Adam and Eve partook of, of, of the fruit, you know, the forbidden fruit, and in doing so, Something that God predicted would happen if they partook of that fruit is, is they died. You know, they didn't drop over dead at that point, but what the person is on the inside is the real person, and that person took on something that God called death. And, 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 and it changed everybody. It changed Adam and Eve, the, you know, our great, 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 great grandparents, and, and it changed you and I. You know, thousands of years later. But even in the garden, even in the very beginning, God looked at it, and I love the way God operates. He didn't fall off his chair. He didn't start getting nervous. He didn't tap his finger on the, the throne of heaven. You know, no. He came up with a plan. He instituted a plan from the very beginning. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 I might as well look too, because I know you all will. But, but um, in Genesis 3.15, he says, And I'll put enmity between thee and the woman. And now he's talking to the devil. He's talking to the serpent, you know, and the devil was operating through this snake. And it says, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. You know, he said this, there's coming an event, devil. You know, again, he's talking to the snake. You know, there's something about snakes, too. Did you ever notice this? I mean, you know, even Indiana Jones was afraid of snakes. But, but I, I was walking in my yard, you know, it was maybe two years ago. This has happened twice since I've lived in the house in Menominee here. But I was walking through my yard one fall a couple of years ago. And right about, you know, just in front of me, in, in eye's view, a little garden snake slithered through. And I'm not really afraid of them, you know, as a kid I used to pick them up and all that stuff, you know. But just seeing that, you go, wow. Do you do that, Nate? Do you, oh, you see, Nate is just a man. He is a man. Whoa. Put her there in the old voice, yeah. <laughs> but you pick him up and play with him. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not expecting it. I'm walking through my yard, you know. I'm thinking, you know, I'm putting the hose away or something. And I look in this snake, and I go, Ugh. I just jumped. Of course, I didn't tell Dana that, you know. Whatever. But, but, you know, God said this back in Genesis. He says, there's coming a day. There's coming a day when, when, when there's going to be an event happen on this earth. And it really, you know, Jesus coming, you know, at Christmas that we celebrated in Bethlehem, the babe in a manger, was the beginning of the event. You know, it was the beginning of the end for the devil's domain. He came, and he came to crush the devil's head. You know, in, in Oriental language, you know, it, when the terminology that's used here means to break the lordship of a ruler. To break the lordship of a ruler. What kind of rulership was he breaking? You see, the devil, he, he wreaked havoc on this earth. He, he, he caused chaos on this earth. Jesus came to do away with his authority. We well, say there's still havoc on this earth. There is, but I'll tell you, there's coming a day when there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. We're living in a defeated world, but we're not defeated. 
We have, we have a, a foretaste of what's to come. We have eternity living on the inside of us. We have life living on the inside of us, and it's all because of Jesus. Are you with me this morning? Yes. I've totally lost my place. I hope you've been keeping track. <laughs> Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says this. Familiar verse. It's part of what they call the Roman road. Anybody heard that terminology, the Roman road? Because you can go through the book of Romans and you can lay out the plan of salvation really smoothly with about 8 to 10 verses. And this is one of these verses. It says in Romans 3.23, it says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What I want to tell you this morning is because of what Adam and Eve did in the garden, you know, the transgression that they may had, you know, the, the, the breaking of, of faith and confidence in God's, you know, hand on their life, it affected every person. In so much that Paul wrote this, he says that all, all, can you say all? All. I know this is a bummer place to go, but we're just going to go there for a moment because there's victory around the corner. He said, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This world that we live in, the human race as a whole, is not what God originally intended. We have fallen short of that. You know, God didn't intend for sleet to come down. He might have made snow, but I'm telling you, the God kind of snow doesn't make you shiver and quake, doesn't make you slip. You know, don't you just hate that and you're walking along? I did that this morning in the parking lot. I didn't actually fall, but I had that moment where I just lost my cool, you know, and I'm like... Oh, yeah, shuffle, shuffle, yeah, you know. Um, anybody see that? <laughs> Are the neighbors looking, you know? Hey, no, I mean, that's what I think. I don't know about you guys, but, I, you know, recover quickly is my motto. But, but, you know, God didn't intend that kind of stuff to be going on. He intended nothing but good stuff. You know, he intended paradise. He intended pleasure for mankind. That's the way he made it in the beginning. You know, God, I'm sure, looks at this world and the chaos that's going on, and I, I know this, it grieves his heart still. But i got to tell you that all of this is the reason that Jesus came. The reason. Now, the, the Ben Campbell Johnson translation, does anybody have that with them today? Anyway, he said it like this. I, I, this is one of my favorites of this verse. He said, all of us have gotten off the track of God's original intention and we've missed the fulfillment for which we were originally intended God had a plan for us in the beginning and it didn't involve the kind of stuff that we're seeing in the world today it didn't have that in his plan you know do you ever have things go not quite like you planned you ever have a dream and you think wow you know it's so fun to just dream the dream but it's better yet to walk it out even if you fail, even if, even if things don't go the way you plan, still walk out these dreams. You know, God's so cool, he walked it out, and I tell you, it was hardly a hiccup, man. I tell you, he knew exactly. He had a plan to institute, to, 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 to deal with failure, and to, to bring us to the place, eventually, that he intended us to have. This isn't it yet. This isn't it yet. This, this world that we're living in right now, this is as close to hell or the lake of fire, as a believer is ever going to get. The flip side of that 
is this world that we're living in now is as close to heaven as an unbeliever is ever going to get. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Man. Jesus came so that, that none of us would have to, you know, endure this, this, this tragedy, you know, that, that took place. In John 3.16, some of you won't even have to turn there. You probably know it by heart. In John 3.16 is a tremendous message. And this message, even if you've memorized it, you know, even if you've known this since you were a, a child in, in Sunday school programs, this message is the heartbeat of God. This message is what Christmas is all about. This message is, is you know, is the, the thing that keeps you going every day. You know, I mean, wow, this just blows my mind when I really look at it. It says this, that God so loved the world. I love it that it says he loved the world. He didn't just love the perfect person. He didn't just love the, the church. He didn't just love people that got it all together, don't slip on the ice, that kind of stuff. No, he loved the world. He loved all of us. It says he loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, if you've been going to this church for any length of time, you've probably heard me preach along this line before. I'm going to tell you this, that the word everlasting life here is the Greek word zoe. And what God says in this verse is that, that, that he intends this, that anybody that believes in Jesus is not going to perish, but they're going to have this stuff called zoe. What is Zoe? Goodness, that's a, the name of a kid, isn't it? Or, a, or maybe is a rock band called Zoe? I don't know. Now, Zoe, if you look it up in the, the Vines Dictionary or one of these Greek dictionaries, you'd find this, that the word is talking about is the quality of life that God has. The very kind of stuff that God has in him. In other words, he says, I, I, I sent Jesus because I love you so much. And if you just believe in him, you'll be like a chip off the old block. You know, same stuff I got in me is what he's saying here. He says, I want that to be in you. This is not something you get when you get to heaven. This is something that you possess here on the earth. Here in the nasty now and now, you've got this kind of life that God's talking about here in John 3.16. He says that all we need to do is believe in what, what he did by sending Jesus. Verse 17, I love to read on. It says, for God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. Condemnation, can I just say this right now? Condemnation does not come from God. Amen. He sent Jesus in this world. Not, you know, you, could look at, you can look at Jesus. Jesus walked this earth in a, a perfect state. You know, he, was, he, he walked it as a man, but it wasn't a man like men were on the earth. He walked this earth as a man like Adam was before the fall. That's how he did it. And you could look at Jesus, you see, but at, Jesus was the, that's called the last Adam. And he came and he didn't blow it like the first Adam. Aren't you glad for that? Yes. So he walked this earth as a man, as the last Adam, and he walked it in perfection. He did not yield to sin. He didn't trip up and mess up or do anything. And you know, you could look at that and think, wow. I don't measure up. And some people could look at that and say, I don't measure up. And they'd walk around with their head hung low the rest of their life and say, oh, there's no hope for me. I want to tell you today, there's hope for you. 
there's hope for you. There's hope for you. There's hope for me. Because it isn't based on us being perfect. It's based on him being perfect. He didn't come in the world. He didn't come here to do it all right just to show you what a worm you were. He came here and he did it all right as your and my substitute. He came here and he played the game for you and I. And he won and his victory set to your credit. Ah, what a deal. What a deal is that? You can't get a deal like that at McDonald's. I'm telling you. That is so good. He said in verse 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned. He that believes not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. But men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Sometimes, you, you know, Jesus being the light of the world, walking in the world, you look at him, some guys will run from that. They want to cling to the life that they have. But God didn't send Jesus into the world to make anybody feel stupid, to make them feel dumb. He came in to show you light, to show you light and to say, hey, you can have this kind of light too. You can take on this stuff. Now, I want to go back to where we started this morning in Philippians. And uh, in verse 8 again, it says, In being found in fashion as a man. Being found in fashion as a man. Now, Paul again is, is talking about the birth of Christ. Now, just so you know, I'm not a Greek scholar. But I can read a Greek dictionary just like any of you. And I was reading in one called Sparkling Gems from the Greek. I saw, I saw it sitting on a chair this morning when I walked in. I said, wow, someone's got my book. Anyway, I think it was Amber's. Sparkling Gems from the Greek is a book uh, by Rick Renner. And he, he had a, a, a blow-up of this word that we find in Philippians 2.8 I wanted to share with you this morning. In Philippians 2.8, it says, being found in fashion as a man. The word fashion here in the Greek is the word shima. Now, don't worry, there's no test. I'm not going to see if you remember this after the service. I may not remember it <laughs> after the service. But there's this word, it's called shima. And the word here is the, the, this word fashion, found in fashion as a man, is a word that in that day was used to describe a king who would lay aside his kingly garments and go out for a short time in the garments of a beggar. Isn't, that, isn't the word fascinating? How God would just take a word like that and use it in a verse like that to describe Jesus coming to the earth. It said he humbled himself coming to this earth. What he did is he was like some king and he took off all of his kingly garments. He says, I'm going to put on the garments of a beggar and I'm going to walk among them. That's what we were like compared to what Jesus was like. So he did that for you and I. I want to read on in Philippians. It says, in being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient unto death even the death of the cross. 
Wherefore God also has highly exalted him, and he's given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus came. Aren't you glad that we, we even today, I'm not going to preach on this, but I'm just so glad for the name of Jesus. I'll tell you this, if you ever wonder, if you're ever in a situation where there's danger, there's problems, and you don't know what to do, the first thing I'll tell you is use the name of Jesus. Yes. Sometimes you don't know what to pray. Do you ever, you ever like that? I mean, pray in tongues, of course, but, but uh, sometimes you don't know what to pray, you know? I don't know how to deal with this, you know? I'll tell you what, the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus has gotten me out of a lot of scrapes in life, okay? The name of Jesus has power in it. When you say that name, I'm telling you what, heaven stands at attention. You, you, you want to cause a disturbance, you go somewhere and you say the name of Jesus. People will react to that name like no other name because that name has power. When you say that name, I mean people react, but I'll tell you this, you say that name, demons react. Yes. People that have been bound in life, you know, they've been, been held back in life by addictions and, 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 and junk that God never intended you to have. I can tell you this from experience. That name will break the power of addictions. That name will break the power of bondage in your life. Hallelujah. Be a frequent flyer with the name of Jesus. Use it often. Sometimes, you know, I, I, I sense atmosphere is troubling, you know, in a place that I'm at. I'll just say the name of Jesus. Now, if I'm in a mall or something, I probably don't stand, you know, on top of a shelf, you know, and say, All right, I have a proclamation to make. Jesus, can I hear an amen? Come on. They'd call security on me. Then I'd really have to call on the name. But I might call on you guys. I don't know. But no, you, you're walking in there. I'm telling you, you can whisper that name. And there's power in that name. You say that name in times of trouble, God shows up. That name, that name, Jesus. Let's just say it. Say Jesus. Jesus. One time, I'll, can I tell you a quick story? Smith Wigglesworth. You guys have all heard me mention Smith Wigglesworth. He was an English plumber that got saved and turned on to God. He, uh, you know, he was radical. You know, I've read a lot of his books, not maybe all of them, most of them. I know in a couple of different ones it talks about he had over 14 people raised from the dead in his ministry. He's 14 ahead of me. <laughs> now, you know what? Don't go try to be Smith Wigglesworth. Be you. Just be on fire like him. One time, he, he, uh, there was a guy in his town that he was at, and they called this guy Lazarus. I don't know if it was really his name or not. I think it's on page six of Apostle of Faith. But anyway, somewhere in there. And he, uh, he went to pray for this guy to see him raised up. And they prayed, and nothing happened. Ever been there? They prayed, and it seemed as if nothing happened. So they sat back for a little bit, and, and, and he said, you know what? Let's just do this. And they all began to say the name of Jesus. They just all began to say the name of Jesus. And as they said that continually over a period of time, this Lazarus guy, he was raised up. And it was a great testimony to that family, 
to the entire region because they all knew about this guy. Do you ever know there's, there's people that everybody knows about? We used to have one in Haiti. I don't, ever know, I don't even know what happened to this guy, but he was just demon-possessed, man. That guy would, he was, uh, lived in Haiti. He was a French guy. And I, I heard his story once. So he had a tragic thing, and he just lost his mind. And he'd walk around, and I'm telling you, you know, he'd take a bath right in front of the, the window of the restaurant, you know, think nothing of it. You know, he'd walk around in a daze, and, and everybody knew him. Everybody knew him. There's people like that. But I tell you what, the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus acted upon brings freedom and deliverance. God loves you. This is the message of Christmas. He sent Jesus to free you, to free me. Psalm 103, verse 3, it says this, that he forgives all your iniquities and he heals all diseases. It's so good to know this in this time of year and like I say, every time of year. All your sins, all your iniquities, they're not standing between you and God. He's forgiven them. He's forgiven him. He's, he's, he's wiped your slate clean. In fact, he's broken the slate and made you a new one. In Ephesians 1, 7, it says this, In whom we have redemption, through his blood, talking about Jesus, even the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. One thing we can camp out on is that God sent Jesus to absolutely, completely, 100%, totally free us. From all unforgiveness. God does not hold things against you. Psalm 103 verse 12. I'll close with this verse and then we're going to pray. Psalm 103 verse 12 says this. As far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. So far as the east is from the west. That's how far he's moved transgressions from us. Now God. How many think God's smart? I was weak, but it's, we'll go. Now, you know, if you go, if he removed him as far as the north is from the south, you know what? If you walk north long enough, eventually you'll start going south. I have not done this. I have not proven this out. But if you think about it in your mind, if you walk north far enough, eventually you'll walk south. All right? But you know what? If you start walking east, it never ends. It never ends. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he has removed our transgressions from us. That's the power in what God did for us in Christ. Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.